We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seventh pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell, tackle, Oregon. He's going to run it straight in. Jared Goldberg, yes. down Detroit Lions. DJ Hawkinson, yes. they did it. They tied it. They're an extra point away from winning this game. Oh, baby, how big is that? what's going on everybody welcome to another episode of the pride podcast episode 239 on the blue wire network i am your host for today malcolm and i'm joined by my good guy as always pierre man how you doing pierre i'm doing great malcolm how are you man i'm doing good man um i actually heard the terrible news with you guys and the weather today i don't man. want to talk about that I don't want to talk about the weather today no. there's some had some elsa problems some snowing over there in april it's kind of <laughs> kind of rough but um we're actually joined by a very special guest today and i have from woodward sports we have russell brown man how you doing russell i'm doing well fellas uh thanks for for bringing me on talk a little lions and uh how are you guys oh we're doing good man we're doing good man so um for the listeners that don't know about you is if they're probably under a rock man can you just like let them know exactly what you do and and yeah, man, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a national scout for Cover One. Um, it's a lot of Bills focus there, but I cover the draft year round for the brand there, and I've been doing that for five years now. Um, but ultimately, I've been covering the draft for about 10 years, and it's kind of led me through different places like Fansided, um, a local a uh, place like the majors.net, which is where it started for me 10 years ago. Um, and it's led me all the way to Woodward sports now. So uh, it's kind of nice being back doing some draft stuff for, you know, Detroit and doing a lot of local Detroit sports stuff. It's kind of like a dream come true, but yeah, I mean um, just standard draft stuff for me year round, you'll get me breaking down players and, and uh, putting out draft guides and mock drafts and all the fun stuff that we, we love uh, year round. I mean, that's that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So what got you into like being into like the draft and and wanting to cover the draft? Well, for starters, the Lions um, <laughs> being bad, as we know. Right. Um, I hate bashing them, but, you know, it's just it's always I don't know. It's always just been kind of like our Super Bowl in a sense. But um, okay. ever ever since I was a kid, you know, um, my parents used to they used to have like a boat 
and uh on lake erie and i would always like when they'd go for walks and stuff i'd go down in like the cabin of the boat and i would just write down all the draft picks and try to memorize everything and so kind of a young age i've just always kind of been like in tune with the draft and uh, when i was 18 19 years old i started doing kind of a a draft podcast for the first time and the guys that were kind of running the majors that the first company that I ever worked for, I worked with them for four or five years, just kind of on and off for fun. And they were like, um, Hey man, like you're, you're like good at this. Like you should keep doing it or whatever. And I was like, ah, nah, it's just no big deal. Whatever. I had a kid at a young age and just kind of doing my thing. And finally I was like, you know what? I need to be a part of football. I'm coaching all the time. I like covering the draft so let me see what's out there so i went out there kind of put my name out there and one thing led me to another to fan side it didn't cover one and and kind of all that but i just i love football i love breaking it down i like looking at it from a different lens that maybe the average joe doesn't really view it and i mean there's a lot more to the draft or to a player than just he runs fast or he caught a right. lot of passes or you know they're like you know, I'm sure there'll be players that we get into tonight, you know, Nicobe Dean, how does he fit the lines? He doesn't really necessarily fit the lines, but I just wrapped up a show for Woodward sports and kind of made it made sense to why they, he fits the lions and why he's the only team that they visited with. So there's a lot of stuff that we'll get into, but um, it's just, I don't know. I just, I love doing it and it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of grinding and um, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to answer that question other than that's kind of how I got into it. And yeah. I just love, I love doing it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yep. All right. So now we're getting to the football stuff. <laughs> so let's say Hutch goes number one, right? Who's your guy at number two for the Lions? We've heard Trayvon Walker. We've heard of Malik Willis. We've heard Jermaine Johnson, Kyle Hamilton, Sauce Gardner. I mean, Thibodeau, right? So who's your guy at number two if Hutch goes one? Realistically, I mean, in a perfect world, you want to take Kayvon Thibodeau. I think he's the the top or second best player in the draft. I mean, honestly, it's a fraction of points that separates him and Hutchinson uh, for me. And ultimately, what kind of gives Hutchinson the edge is I truly do believe that the the work ethic on the field kind of displays itself. Not not you know not discrediting Kayvon, but right. it really does show with kind of the the presence and the noise that Hutchinson brings. So ultimately, yeah, it's you look at Kayvon and you're like, man, like you got to take this guy high upside pass rusher kind of already, you know, who, what you see with him is, is what you're going to get probably year one, maybe even year two, but the upside there to, to be a potential, you know, I, I always say miles Garrett type of player, I think is, is mm. kind of there. It's a little rich for some, some people like to throw Jadavion Clowney. Some people like to just say he's, he's not going to make it in the league. But beyond that, you know, the Lions don't seem to necessarily like him. So he's interesting because that's the report right now is that they don't like him. We don't know what's their board. You know, we, we're just kind of guessing. But the interesting thing is when you look at the the top 30 visits, which, by the way, aren't a real thing. It's just something the media made up. But, you know, the teams are allowed 30 total visits through the pre-draft process to come to the facility, check it out, et cetera the media labeled it as an important thing of top 30 visits. Sometimes it, it means something, but sometimes it means nothing. Like you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they visit with the player at the combine at a pro day, bring them in for a top 30 visit. There's a good chance. One of those players is making it onto their field, onto their, onto their field, onto the roster. But when you look at the lions, they brought in kind of the top four consensus edge rushers, Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, Kayvon and Aiden. So I think that's interesting from the simple fact of second pick, you're looking at an edge rusher, I like it. And I'm, I'm again, I'm going very detailed here because I don't 
have an answer that would really make me upset. Kyle Hamilton would make me a little like, okay, what are we doing? Another defensive back. I mean, when you look at our secondary, it's probably the healthiest of our defense, maybe outside of some of the pieces on the defensive line. But like, there's a lot of pieces on the on the secondary. But then when you look at the recent news of Malik Willis, I just I find that very interesting. You had a whole week with him at the Senior Bowl. I know that they love him. Mark Brunel loves him. I know that, and that's a quarterback coach, and that's important when you got a young QB and kind of a, an aging veteran in Jared Goff, who might be a lost cause at this point. We don't know. But when you look at this, Malik at two, if you're going to go with a high upside, you know, kind of boomer bust type of player, I think Malik makes a lot more sense rather than Trayvon Walker because you bring up Trayvon, that's kind of been the rumored pick. If you're going to go with that type of pick or that type of player, you you go with the quarterback. You go with the player that gives you the biggest bang for your buck. And if you look at the way that this team is structured, the way the draft capital is structured, this team can afford to take Malik Willis. And a, a couple picks I, I wrote down, not for tonight, I mean, not specifically to this show, but on the Woodward show, was Malik at two, Arnold Ebiketti at 32, N'Kobe Dean at 34, and Kirby Joseph at 66. Okay. I mean, if if you get something like that in the top four picks of your draft, you're really cooking with gas, in my opinion. And I, I could right. be wrong, but I'm leaning towards Malik Willis. I had a scout text me on the day of the Liberty Pro Day, checking in. How's it going? Congrats on the new job. I'm good. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. And basically, one thing led to another, and he told me, I'm going to the Liberty Pro Day to see future Detroit line quarterback Malik Willis. They love him. He is their guy, and it's very well documented across league circles that that's the guy. And I think that's why it's important that they did all the research on the edge rushers and defensive players early to get the quarterback in now and kind of get the ball rolling there with that. Okay, so like if you had to make a prediction right now, you think Willis is the pick at number two? I think so. I mean, if I had to do a mock draft today, which I, I have a, mo a final mock draft I got to work on, I, I think he would be the guy. Again, it wouldn't surprise me if they took one of the edge rushers. It wouldn't right. surprise me at all, but um, I just, uh, there's just, normally when there's smoke, there's fire. And I think there's way too many dots here to connect to not say Malik Willis. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Now, I know you're talking about um, Kayvon Thibodeau. You're pretty high on him. You said that he's, a, to you, he's the second best edge rusher um outside mm -hmm. of Aiden Hutchinson now there's a lot of people who they they're criticizing I guess is his gameplay as far as what he did last year they're saying he's not giving his I guess 100 effort mm -hmm. they're saying he's lazy at some on some plays what, what is uh, what is your response to that do you think like this could be an issue for him when he become a pro or I no I, I think it's more so when you watch Kayvon everywhere he's been he's been the cream of the crop he's been the number one recruit He's the best player in the Pac-12. At times, if you're the best, do you always have to go all out? Do you have to be that guy? No, you probably don't. Is it a, is it a bad look? Yeah, it's a bad look. But when you go to the NFL, you're now playing with the top echelon. You're playing with everybody, and the best of the best. So he's going to have to put that all together. But I, I think the, the thing is, is just he hasn't carried him, himself well. The combine thing kind of struck everybody as like out of left field. Like I know quite a few... Uh, people that that spoke with me and I spoke with them and they were like, yeah, you know, that one got some rumblings at the combine during him going, well, I'm out of here. It was a long weekend. I'm good. That kind of was like, okay, what in the world? But I, I just, I look at it from the sense of 
lot of guys last year. I mean, Sewell didn't play, and he was a top 10 pick. You look at Jamar Chase. He didn't play. He was a top 10 pick. Some of these guys, they don't need to play. And this thing with Kayvon is he knows he's a great player, but he's not going to sell it all out for no money. And I can't blame him there. I mean, you don't work for free. I don't work for free. My parents don't work for free. Nobody works for free. So right. you you got to go out and you got to get that paycheck first. And I think that's the most important thing. He wants the money and I can't blame him. He's got kind of his own personal business and brand that he's building. So like, yeah, it kind of rubs the old folks the wrong way. But to us younger guys and people in the generation of today, no, not really. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't bother anybody that he doesn't have his eggs all in one basket. Because if it's one injury, we've seen it time and time again with plenty of players. Look at Jalen Smith was a, was a, was supposed to be a top 10, top 25 pick a few years back, didn't go to the second round, right. got used up with the Cowboys, and now he's not even in the NFL anymore. Like, they don't, like, the, the NFL doesn't care about these players. It's a business for them, just like it is for these players. So, why can't it be a two way street? That's how I view it. And um, that's, I mean, maybe that's a little bit more of a detailed version, but when you watch him play and he puts it all together on the field, he's a great player. And there's no denying it. And like, I, I, I hate seeing people put edge rusher boards together and they're like, Oh, I don't have Kayvon as a top five player. He's a first round player, but I don't have, a, or, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have Kayvon as a top five edge rusher. He's a first round player, but I don't view him as a top five edge rusher. Well, how many, edge, like how many edge rusher grades are you given for, or first round grades for edge rushers are you given? There's only so right. many spots. And if you have 32 first round grades, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's insane. I don't know how he's not in the top five. That, it's he is for me, and I know a lot of people yeah, that view him that way. And he's, I mean, there, I know there's been rumbling. Oh, he's going to fall out of the top ten. There's no way he falls out of the top ten. Absolutely not. I don't think. I don't think he makes it past Houston. I don't think he makes the best if like the Jets or the Giants. Like at five, I think five's the latest he'll go. If yeah. it, it, that's the case, if if he makes it past Houston, he'll land up in New York. It that's I have yep. that on. Very good record that back around the combine when I asked of where's he going to go, it was I was told New York, and I I wasn't told a specific team. I was just told New York. So whatever they use him, there it is. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now, we talked about some guys who we think could land at number two in Detroit. Who are some players you think the Lions should avoid? Or positions, player or position you think the Lions should avoid at two overall? I hate saying one of the offensive tackles. They're probably safe picks. I like this offensive tackle group. But it's ultimately... Not a position of need. Right. I wouldn't do it. Um, I wouldn't take Kyle Hamilton at two if it were me. I, I think he's a, f- a fine player, a top five player, and he's very versatile. And I know a lot of people that have him as the top player, but it's I, I think it's a relatively deep safety class. Mm-hmm. And I just and it's more so deep at, you know, the first three rounds after you get through the Kirby Josephs, the Veron McKinley's, the Brian cooks of the world kind of falls off a little bit. We might only see eight or nine, maybe 10 safeties drafted. And that includes Nick cross from Maryland. But other than that, like I just, I I think you find the value at safety in the mid rounds of the draft. You look at Tracy Walker, third round pick, Justin Reed, third round pick. You look at Tyron Matthew. He was a second round pick. I mean, there's a lot of guys that go late in the draft. And I think, if you took them at two, you're just you're kind of putting yourself in the eight ball. Like I said, the defensive secondary that they have is is relatively not deep, but really good one to two year players. So I think Hamilton makes sense. The offensive tackles, personally, like I said, if you're going to roll the dice on a, a boom or bust prospect, it better be Malik and not Trayvon Walker. I could live with Trayvon Walker if you went Trayvon, Nicobe Dean and Jaquan Brisker or vice versa, something like that. If it was a lot of defensive players behind it and you just like you pull the Carolina Panthers card and just go all defense, I could live with it. But I just, the way that they kind of attacked the draft last year with multiple defensive players, you know, the the two defensive tackles and Levi and Aleem, and then you saw Michael Brockers, not saying that there's not a need for the edge rusher, but again, if Boy Mafi, Arnold Ebiketti, uh Josh Pascal. Kingsley uh, Engabera, uh, my Jay Sanders. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the edge rusher group that you might be able to find quality production. Quarterback, not so much. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, so you kind of answered number three, but like our third question was, do you buy the Trayvon Walker hype like as a top five, top ten pick? Like where do you personally have him ranked? Yeah, he's like, uh, I want to say 22 on my board. I don't have it up. Shame shame on me. 22? Yeah. 22 um oh, i mean realistically yeah he's he's gonna be a top 10 top 15 player i mean right. don't get me wrong uh yeah he's 23 he had a borderline first round grade for me it's not me you know not valuing him but he had limited you know limited production limited snaps and that's alarming to me like if i'm taking you top five you better have played some college football like you didn't he played a lot this past year, and I wouldn't even say it's a lot. Like, it's 400 snaps or so. It's not even that many. Altogether, I think he played under 800 snaps in his college career. There's a reason why Jermaine Johnson left Georgia, because he wasn't seeing the field. He left Georgia and went to Florida State and became ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Now, sure, could Trayvon Walker leave Georgia, go to the NFL, and become Defensive Rookie Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, it's all possible, right? You see the size, 6'5", 271. Rare length, rare size, rare power, rare athletic ability. He was a beast down in the paint, playing power forward and center. He was a walking double-double down there. But at the same time, like, I'm picking two, and I got a guy that has no pass rush plan. He has really no defined position yet 
on the football field because Georgia didn't know how to use him. And that's why he didn't play because they didn't know where to put him because he was, he was, he's big, but he's not big enough to play as a three technique or a four eye or a two. He's a little bit too big to be always playing up off the edge. And you just, you didn't see the production. So, and again, if you don't have that pass rush plan and you don't work your hands, he's got a great push pull move. He can overpower smaller offensive tackles, but man, if he's matching up against Evan Neal 10 times in a row, I'm probably taking Evan Neal eight or nine of those times. And I just, man, I don't know. I, 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 I see the athletic ability and I get why people are intrigued. I see the, you know, the RAS score on them and all that fun stuff. But when you watch the tape, I don't see the elite player that everybody else is seeing. And maybe, maybe it's shame on me, but I don't know. I, I think if, I don't know if, I don't know it, he's just, there's I, ugh, ugh, top 10, I just <laughs> top five, top two. I can't do it, man. It just ugh, rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. That, that was my reaction. When I first heard like the thought of, Oh, the Lions is interested in Trayvon Walker. I'm like, where where is this coming from? <laughs> like, yeah. where where is this? What is this? But um, I think I have to speak to a few people. Um, you know, now I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe. But yeah, I didn't I didn't see the production either. I didn't see why he should go. Now everything as far as from dra- if they do draft him is just him having an amazing upside, and they just believe mm-hmm. they they're gonna be able to turn this guy into a Miles Garrett 2.0 or another an elite edge rusher, they could turn him to this guy. But yeah, and, he's just looking at upside. Yeah, and I'll be honest. I I mean, I've, I've look, I've, I've got my flaws. I've struck out and missed. I've hit oh, home yeah. runs. I, we, we've all done that. Rashawn Gary is a prime example. Like, I, I didn't think he was – I thought he was a borderline first rounder, but I didn't see top 10 player, top 15 player like everybody else. But – you bet off the traits, you bet off the athletic ability, and it's working out for him because he went to Green Bay. It's a good fit. Is Trayvon Walker necessarily a good fit here for what they're trying to do? Maybe, maybe so, maybe, maybe not. But when you watch his game, he just kind of looks like an oversized Trey Flowers. And we've said that, me and Scott Bischoff over at Woodward Sports, like an oversized Trey Flowers, a lot of power to his game, not really all this plan to come to the table prepared. And, I mean... Like I watch Hutchinson and I see a little bit of bend. I see a little bit of wiggle. I see Johnson. I right. see bend. I see a guy that can turn the corner. Arnold Ebiketti, who I have ranked ahead of Trayvon Walker. People think that's nut, but, but when I watch him, I mean, I just, I see a guy that's got the production from, from the sack rates and from what he's able to do with his hands, his length. It's just as impressive. If he can get his first snap down, if he can get that first step down off the snap, Arnold Ebiketti is going to be a stud. And I, I will take that to the bank. And if I miss, I miss. But that's just me. Who are some safety pros, um, prospects you see the Lions could target at day two or day three? Well, yeah, Kirby Joseph makes a lot of sense. I know they they brought him in for a visit. I know they like him. There's been a lot of buzz surrounding it. I think pick 66. If I could cash in a, a third-round pick right now, that would be my ticket to punch. I, I really think that he might be their guy. Um, and he's a, a top 75 player for me. I might be one of the only – guys out there that have a top 75 grade on him i just i see the range i see the potential i see the ball skills he had five interceptions this past year he ran well um and i think when you when you bring in a player like this he gives you a lot of different looks because you can give him that dual safety role you can play him as a as a single high safety and a cover one look i think when you see the potential as a buzz defender to come downhill a little bit at times it's there um but if, if they didn't go that route, I would say, you know, I know they've met with Lewis Seen. 
I don't know if he necessarily fits what they're looking to do, um, but the physicality is there, and that's definitely you know a Dan Campbell, Aaron Glenn type guy, football-minded coaches that played the game. They appreciate the contact and the physicality. They want a guy like that, and he's got great range, but I just don't think he's going to be there at 32 or 34. I mean, I think ultimately he's going to be a top 25 pick with Daxton Hill in there. I think those two guys with Kyle Hamilton, we're going to see probably three safeties in the first round, and it's probably those three so that leads me to Jaquan Brisker who I really like um he I mean I I would love him at 34 if he's if he's there if they took him at 32 I could understand it but with Brisker I mean former power forward and center as on the basketball court as a six foot one uh, 100 and currently 199 pounds probably back as a senior in high school he's probably about a buck 70 buck 75 so to be playing the four and five at that size just goes to show that this guy's got physicality written all over him he he likes to get after it and it shows on tape he plays really well down in the box he comes downhill with with relatively good angles Um, coverage skills can get tested but I think at 34, if he's there, again, like I mentioned, if if you were to go Malik or Jermaine Johnson at two, sounds crazy, but I love I love him. Um, Kayvon at two. If you went one of those guys and then you ended up with, let's say, again, I keep saying N'Kobe Dean because I just think he is potentially the guy at 32 and then Jaquan Brisker at 34. Um that would be that would be really awesome. And again, Kirby Joseph would be there. And then maybe just a little late um, would be Veron McKinley out of Oregon. He doesn't get a lot of buzz. I think he's more of like a fourth round player, maybe, maybe even a late third round player. I think the NFL is going to like him more than maybe what a mock draft simulator says or what kind of draft Twitter says. But he, again, ball skills really stood out in September and October of this past year. Really good range for the position. And I think when you watch him, little bit undersized, but really fluid athlete. And I think his pad level, his hips, he's able to sink and turn. And that really stands out to me uh, as somebody that you take a flyer on in the fourth, fifth round, and it probably works out for you. And maybe he's comparable to like a Tracy Walker, maybe a little bit smaller, but maybe he's a little bit comparable to a guy like that. So um, those are just a couple names that I really like at that safety position. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. minute. Um, We're not going to just – so you – I heard you say Johnson could be a play at two. Mm-hmm. So you have him as your third. I'm assuming you have him as your third edge rusher. So do you realistically see a, a scenario where he goes two to the lines? It's probably the most wild card one because it's just, it does. I mean, it just out of the names that we've talked about, probably not. But I, I could see it happening. I mean, the Lions coaching staff had him down at the Senior Bowl. He faced up against Darian Kennard in one-on-ones to end practice, and they specifically, the coaches picked those two guys out, and they did it on purpose. And Kennard, he won the war, but in one of the battles on the viral clip that happened down in Mobile was Jermaine Johnson knocking Kennard on his, on his tail. And I think that really stands out of the type of player and power that Johnson has. But the fact that they follow up with, with keep in mind at the combine and at pro days, these teams meet with all these players. They do it all the time. They get, you know, they get 20 to 30 minutes with all these players. I think at the combine, they get 45, 30 minute interviews. If I remember, or 30, 45 minute interviews, vice versa, whatever it is. And they get all these interviews. They get all this time to kind of talk with these players. And I'm sure more than once they've talked with Johnson. And I think, they view it from, um, well, what kind of character is this guy? Is he good for the locker room? I don't really know. I haven't really found out anything bad about him. 
So yeah, I think it's an option at two because it's a need and they've brought him in now again for another visit. And I believe it was last week. I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday. So they've brought him in now. And I just, to me, like, that's kind of like, okay, but also are they doing the quarterback stuff now? And, and I'm bringing this up because while they might not take him at two, are they bringing in the quarterbacks for the possibility of a team like Carolina, Atlanta to move up so they can move back and still land like a Jermaine Johnson? I don't think a lot of people view that situation of the Lions moving out of two because we always we always talk about trading back because that's the dream scenario for every team, but it never right. happens. So we've kind of given up on it, but I think it is still in the cards for the Lions. Okay. Um, so you actually brought this up a couple of times, but we've had it. So if Nicole Dean is there at 30, 32, would you pick it for Holmes? And if you don't pick him um, – who are maybe some day two, day three linebackers that fit in this scheme? It's kind of like a new scheme. They were saying they want like bigger guys, but they still want speed. So it's kind of interesting. It is interesting, and it's not really going with what they're saying. So I don't know if I don't right. know if they know what they want to do because they brought in um, Devin Harper from Oklahoma State, Brian Asamoah from Oklahoma, and Nicobe Dean. And Nicobe Dean, from everything I've seen, this is the only team he's visited with, and that's why I'm sold on him at 32. I've actually heard that they really like him and he's a high character guy did a great job for the community down in atlanta in the athens area down there in georgia he has not had a b plus since his eighth grade year of middle school i say this on every show um because i think he's a i think he's a top 15 player i think he gets really overlooked i know people are like well he didn't test at the pro day he didn't test the combine he's slower than we think okay so he runs a four six he runs a four six five i don't care I don't need him running fast. I need him coming downhill and tackling, and he does that. He's the best blitzer in the draft for the position, and I think when you watch him, you see the value that he brings, and you see the character. You see that, you know, again, eight an A average from ninth grade on. He's got a mechanical engineering degree. Like, he's a smart guy, and he's great off the field for, you know, charity and what they're trying to build within that organization. So I think at 32 – I, I think he is potentially that guy, but if they didn't go that route, maybe he's already gone or they just passed because of whatever, whatever reason. Again, Brian Asamoah would be an interesting one, probably fourth round. Damon Clark is an interesting one because Calvin Shepard's come out and said that he's like a little brother. And I know the, the links to LSU with Calvin Shepard and some of this, the defensive coaching staff is real. Um, and I think that's a good thing because a lot of people don't know what's going to happen with Clark. He had the spinal surgery. So, while I viewed him as a third-round pick, and I thought at 66 he was going to be potentially the guy locked in, but because of the injury, he might fall to that late fourth or fifth round. And if he does, is it something to where maybe they move up a little bit at, like, let's say 177, they package a deal and move up and 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 get him, like, let's say at 140, 145, they move up 30 spots and grab him? Yeah, I think that's potential. He falls steps a ton. He does, like, this weird bunny hop. It's like two to three steps. It's very weird. But he's, a, he's an impactful player. I mean, he really is. And I think he kind of fits today's mold and probably that bigger player with some athleticism to him. So I know a lot of people say, well, what about Chad Mumo? What about Quay Walker? Those guys are options at 32, 34. But I know the Jets really like Chad Mumo. And I know there's been some buzz about Quay Walker being a first rounder. I don't think that's realistic. I think he's more of a early second, middle second type player. And I just, I don't see the Lions taking him at 32, 34 but I could be wrong there. But out of, out of some of those names I listed, I think Dean, Asamoah, um, 
and Clark would make a lot of sense and maybe Darian Beavers just from a size perspective. But again, he'd probably be like that third or fourth round option uh, just simply to kind of put in the box. And is that really an upgrade over what they already have? It might be a little bit more like Derek Barnes 2.0. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that would seem like a Derek Barnes 2.0. Um, yeah. I know you talked about quarterbacks earlier in, in the draft, you know, going second overall. You talked about a, sp- a specific quarterback going second overall. But how do you feel about the quarterbacks in general in this draft class? And if they were, if the Lions were to draft one at 32, using a 32 pick to draft a quarterback, not named Kenny Pickett and not named Malik Willis, um, who would you go for um, with that 32 pick? Well, I would love to take Desmond Ritter at 32. That would be my dream pick. Um, I think Desmond Ritter is going to be a lot better than people project. Um, and I could be wrong there. I mean, like I've said before, I, I've had my misses, especially on quarterbacks. They're tough to project and they're tough to translate to the NFL. But Ritter, um, I think, just kind of checks a lot of boxes. He won 44 career games in college. Regardless of the competition, you play your schedule and you win your schedule or you lose. And he won. Um, I, I think from a, a, a deep ball thrower, he can hit the he can hit the throws deep. Uh, kind of, I don't want to say a flawless throwing mechanic, but he just, he, he makes it look easy at times. He works really hard. Um, and that's why he came back to Cincinnati to show his work ethic and to prove that he's a first round caliber quarterback, because last year he was probably going to be a late second, third round pick this year, probably going to be a first rounder. Seattle brought him in on a visit. That's the only quarterback they visited with, as far as I know. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are an interesting team at 20. I've often said that they could be a, you know, a potential landing spot for him at 20. Um, but also, I think New Orleans is a very interesting fit as well. I like Desmond Ritter, but if, if they did it at 32, I mean, Matt Corral could be an interesting one. Um, I just, I don't, I just, I don't know if I can buy into that. I mean, he's, he's, that one read quarterback, and I, I loved him in the summer. And then the more I watched, the more I saw that you take away some of his weapons and he kind of struggles. Not saying we don't have great, you know, we don't have good weapons. We have okay weapons. But right. is he going to struggle here without, you know, Elijah Moore and Kenny Yebo and, and, and some of the players that they had in that Ole Miss offense? And again, you're not coming here to run an RPO one read offense. You're coming here to hand the football off and do things like that. Now, again, maybe that's what Ben Johnson wants. He wants a quarterback like that. I don't know, but the guy's only two Oh five. That worries me. Had a high ankle sprain against Baylor. I think you kind of let somebody else take them. And if it works, it works. But at that point, it's like, okay, you didn't take them at 32. Who cares? So I think probably the last guy that makes the most sense would maybe be Sam Howell out of North Carolina. And he's an interesting one because he had to rely so much on his legs. And he even says this, I kind of, my, my timing, my anticipation with the current receivers I have is, is, is way off. I had, you know, he had four players that got drafted the year before. And it's one of those things where the timing is off. He admitted to that and it struggled. And that's why he was kind of going through one or two reads and then taken off. And it showed with his skill set to, you know, have that mobility and, and, and show the physicality that he has. And he's got, he's got a great arm. I mean, he's very aggressive with pushing the ball down the field, but he plays with a lot of hesitation. Um, and I think at times just gets a little too aggressive. So I would say Sam Howell would probably be the one that, okay, if they did it, whatever, you got the fifth year option, but realistically, I don't know if I see a QB at 32. I think it's either two or no QB at all. For Detroit. Yeah. For Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. I know they're talking about a lot of teams and we want to trade with Detroit with that pick. So they could get a quarterback on that fifth year option, which Mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, a lot of quarterbacks do go 32 for that fifth year option. And as far as Desmond Ritter, man, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of mocks that he may go se- the second quarterback in the, in this draft. 
with a with a few marks that I've seen, and just because of the way the NFL is today, you know, they're they're going more mobile. So yeah, I can see I can see that. I mean, as far as even if he, if he's there at thirty two, yeah, that that would probably be the, be the pick for Detroit. Yeah, it would be, and I think also. You know, the team to kind of keep a, a close tab on is is Washington. You know, they were very well represented at the Cincinnati Pro Day. I believe they had 11 reps there. And again, they could be there for Sauce Gardner. They could be there for Brian Cook, Kobe Bryant, um, quite a few different, you know, players that Cincinnati has. But if you're there with 10, 11 guys, you're probably paying attention to a quarterback. I mean, a lot of teams did it at the USC pro day for Sam Darnold, whether that worked out or not, I mean, kind of remains to be seen, probably not going to work out for him, but um, thanks a lot, Adam Gase. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, when, when you just look at it in a whole, I mean, yeah, Ritter's probably going to be a top 20 pick. I mean, when it's all said and done, there's just too many options for him. Like you mentioned, could he be the second one? Is it Atlanta? Is it, um, is it, um, Seattle is it Washington New Orleans um I think I mean, the last mark the last mark I saw I forgot who did it. it was somebody on the NFL NFL.com and he went to Pittsburgh they had him going to Pittsburgh I think it's a great fit and I think if if he was to go there I think he could not necessarily start right away you let Trubisky go in do bad and do what he does and you then bring in Ritter and I mean I really think you I think a team could get 10 games out of him not saying he's going to go ten and zero, but I think you bring him in, and maybe he goes, you know, uh, four, four and six, or four and five with a bye week in there or something. You can get that. You're, I mean, you got a lot of potential there. He, he's going to have his flaws. He's going to make mistakes, but I just I think when you watch him, there's there's so much to work with, and I think an NFL coaching staff could do him wonders with with NFL. Not not discrediting Alec Pierce and stuff like that, but with NFL talent around them, you know, I think of Seattle. Put him in there with DK Metcalf, Noah Fant, and Tyler Lockett, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. Good luck. Good luck to the teams out there in the NFC West. I know it's deep. I know there's talent, but I, I like that fit a lot if, if he goes to Seattle. You'll just need to get him some protection down there, and then he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so I also, I believe Atlanta, they sent the house to his pro, pro day, kind of like how Detroit did with Thibodeau. So maybe they're mm -hmm. looking more into it or they're looking to other guys. I'm not sure. But um, so we talked about a lot of first round guys and they could still be first round guys, but who are like your favorite prospects in this class? Mainly outside of the first round, kind of so our listeners could like know some guys. If you have any. Oh, you want me to go deep down the rabbit hole? Not at the top. Not necessarily at the because everyone knows the top guys, right? That kind that's kind of boring. Give us some like well, day two, have, day three guys. Have, have them name like one person from the top. Like who's your favorite? Like maybe top ten person, and then somebody from deep. Yeah. Oh boy, we could be here all day. I like I like a lot of these guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, in the top ten, I, I'm a big fan of either interior offensive lineman. I'll go away from kind of the traditional players that we're talking about. I do love Sauce, by the way, but. Um, I'll, you know, we can save that for another day, but I, I do like Zion Johnson and Tyler Linderbaum quite a bit. I think they're top 10 players. I hope Tyler Linderbaum doesn't burn me like Connor Williams did a few years ago. Um, you know, a little bit of an undersized interior offensive lineman that primarily plays center, probably only going to play center in the NFL. So it might drop him down boards and it might put him at, you know, in the late thirties or early second round, but I do like his skill set a lot. And I think he just gets overlooked because of the positional value he plays a position that doesn't hold a lot of value in the nfl and 
I don't want to say Quentin Nelson ruined it, but if you don't reach the Quentin Nelson standard out of college, then which is a rare all pro standard, if you don't hit that, you don't get to go in the top 10 anymore. And I just, I think that's kind of crazy. I think a team like the Jets would make a lot of sense for him. I think the Giants make a lot of sense for him. The same thing with Zion Johnson, really versatile player. I know a lot of teams in the top 25 that really like him. Um, the, the New England Patriots hard to kind of get a gauge of what they they do but i do know that they like him from some people i've talked to and i I know the arizona cardinals as well um and there's i mean there's a chance that a team like you know new orleans looks at him not necessarily to play tackle but maybe to play guard um, and they bump one of their guards outside but then a little bit deeper uh just kind of staying down the rabbit hole that is the offensive line luke go to key central michigan love his skill set um, I like him more than I like Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. I, I get the Bernard Raymond hype because of the athleticism, converted tight end in 2022 to left tackle. But I think when you watch him play, I mean, I think you can see that he's still very rough around the edges, where I think if you look at Luke Godeke, he's kind of like technically sound right now. And I think when you watch him against Missouri this past year, you see him chip and climb and turn linebackers. And like, that's like coach tape right there. Like that's teach tape. That's I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to teach a classroom on how to do this. And I think he's that type of player. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a quality third round pick for a team. Um, But then flipping over, you know, away from kind of the the big uglies and stuff like that, wide receivers, um, man, I, I could talk about Christian Watson. I'm sure a lot of people have talked about him. I'll say Khalil Shakir out of Boise State, just to be a little bit different. Um, I, I like his skill set a lot. I think he's kind of got this veteran release package that is just because of the amount of time that he's played at Boise State. But he can play inside. He can play outside. I think a lot of people are hoping he's kind of like a Monra St. Brown 2.0. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case because he's not. You know, he's a little bit more undersized, not as much weight or muscle to his frame. But the drops are the biggest concern. He had 18 career drops, and I think he's had nine or 10 over the last season. So that's a concern. But Jerry Judy had a lot of drops coming out of college, too. So it's, mm-hmm. it kind of, you know, it kind of works both ways. If, if he can get maybe better quarterback play, it could be better for him. Uh, and then just defensively, I mean, I mentioned Kirby Joseph already, who I like quite a bit. Um, I'll go with somebody that's in the trenches that maybe not a lot of people talk about. Matt Henningsen from Wisconsin. Very versatile player, can play as a four eye, can play as a three, can play as a two, could probably even play as a as a zero shade at times. I really like his skill set. And he kind of reminds me of like Matt Ionitis out of Temple when he came and now he's with the Panthers. Fourth, fifth round pick. Gonna probably carve out a seven to eight year role and be just fine. He might end up back home in Green Bay. He's from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. He might, you know, he might end up going there and ended up being a very talented player there. But uh yeah, I mean, he's somebody that I just, I think these are good football players that you draft in the middle rounds and we all go, well, how is this guy not a top 50 pick? Why is, you know, well, how did this happen? But these are just good quality, sound football players. And I just view it from all my years of coaching high school football and coaching youth football of, I could take one of these guys and I could build my team around it offensively or defensively. And yeah, that's maybe a small lens or maybe it's the wrong way of viewing it. And again, you got college and NFL stuff to work through there, but I view it from that perspective of these are good football players. These are guys that I, I like to watch their tape. I'm going to keep watching their tape and that's just how it kind of flows for me. So uh, those are some, you know, middle late round guys. Again, I could, keep going down the list. I could go into the, <laughs> I could keep going into tight ends. I could talk about Charlie Kohler, who I think gets really overlooked. I could talk about Jeremy Ruckert who gets overlooked. And um, even though he ended up as tight end four for me, 
Um, I could talk about Greg Dolchich possibly being the first tight end off the board. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. I love talking this stuff. Um, I, I mean, we can keep talking stuff. I don't care whatever you guys want to do. <laughs> we can keep talking. Um, so I do have a couple of questions. I like I've been keeping track of the top 30 visits or whatever you want to call them, pre-draft visits. There's a couple of guys I've never really like heard of or know much about. Maybe you'll know more about. It's safety, Delaren Turner. Is it Yell? I don't know. I was his yeah. name. And then cornerback Jaquan McMillan. Yeah, so the kid out of Oklahoma, I, I I don't know much about. I think he was just more so of that bringing him in for a late round visit, um, kind of a late round prospect, maybe hold some special teams value to him. But other than that, I know the McMillan kid, and we just got done talking about it. And Scott Bischoff uh, on the Woodward Show, we just we wrapped up about an hour, hour and a half ago. He said, you know, um, he mentioned McMillan, and he knows that the Lions are very high on him, and they've been linked to him for a while. Um, he was brought to my attention in passing around the combine. Um, like, Hey, this guy's not going, he's going to go to the pro day, but keep, you know, he's going to work out at their pro day, but keep an eye on this kid. Obviously I wrote it down and I never got back to a type deal finishing in my guide, but you know, you watch him play a little bit feisty nickel guy, uh, that might, might maybe carve out like that Justin Coleman type role that maybe the lions are missing. So I think when you think of Brad Holmes, you think of some maybe late secondary players that he's able to find. And I think this might be one of those guys. He's not a Pac-12 guy, but East Carolina, I I, I could see this guy being, again, the, the fifth or sixth round pick. They got, I think, is it two fifth rounder or a fifth rounder, two sixth rounders and a seventh or two fifths and two six. They got four or five picks in the back. And I know they got nine total picks. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if this ended up being one of their guys. But he has met with other teams other than the Lions. I do know that. Yeah, uh, the Lions actually, so that seventh-round pick originally that was supposed to go to them, it's actually going to go to Denver. It was part of one of the trades, so they don't have oh, that seventh-rounder anymore. Right. Well, yeah, whatever. It's just a seventh-round pick. It's not really a big hey, deal. Yeah, package next year's seventh and this year's 177. Right. Move up to 150 and and take them. And, I'm, I mean, I think that's a realistic trade, and I don't think that's very Madden-like. I don't, I don't have the trade chart up, but, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty realistic if they can make that happen. I know you already talked about some – Day three sleepers already. Um, some guys that could go late. Do you have any more? Like any other guys that could go specifically, like for the Lions, like yeah, for like a wing tackle or like a safety or maybe a receiver, a linebacker, stuff like that, like for their needs. Yeah, well, I mean, I- I'm not going to count out uh, the need of another interior offensive lineman. I talked about a couple couple offensive tackles there and and some of the top tier interior offensive linemen, but. Another one is Cordell Volson out of North Dakota State. I think this guy's a kind of a plug and play right guard at the next level. And if Big V, who I think plays relatively well at right guard, if they ended up moving on from him after this season because they could opt out from him and remember that they didn't sign him, this regime didn't sign him. That was all Bob right. Quinn. So if they feel like they could save some money, move on from him. I, I think it, it they could look down this rabbit hole of Cordell Volson, who plays with a nasty side. And I truly think Dan Campbell probably watched that tape a few times and is like, I need this guy. He's going to bite some kneecaps for me. Um, Volson, former, he played right tackle two years ago, had 100 knockdowns in the season. Um, former basketball player back in high school. He had 35 blocks in a season. He had 33 double doubles in a season, which is the most in his high school, um, in the history of his high school. So sure, it's a North Dakota school, nothing crazy, but at the same time, like you're balling out there. And he's right. he, he did that. And it's one of those things where I, I think if you watch him, you see it. I, I remember watching 2019 and 
I would, I was looking at Trey Lance and I was just watching North Dakota state cause it's a fun offense. And that's how you learn different things. Cause they got different variations, right? They come out in pistol and empty and I formation and so many different formations and variations. It's fun. So I'm watching Trey Lance. I'm like, okay, this kid's kind of, he's got an arm. Like this kid's impressive. Then I saw Christian Watson. I was like, I don't know who this one kid is, but he's running verticals all day and he's, he's coming down with them. Like he's getting open. Then I'm watching the offensive line and I see Dylan Ray Duns and I'm like, okay, this guy's pretty good. And, and I kept watching the right side at this Cordell Volson 67 kid. And I'm like, man, this is my type of player. And I just, you watch his feet and you're like, that's a guard. You just know that's a guard, but he gives you guard tackle flexibility, nasty. And I, I think, I think a team like Detroit makes a lot of sense. Um, but I'm sure other teams will like him as well. Other than that, um, maybe a late round flyer on a receiver, Charleston Rambo kind of fell out of, out of it with Oklahoma. You know, you watched him a lot of deep threat ability, vertical speed, um, in the college level, he didn't necessarily test, you know, like you thought maybe like the four, three speed, like we'd like to see, but at the same time, he goes to Miami kind of resurrects his career. And I think when you look in that again, fourth, fifth round option type player, where you get some speed on the perimeter, maybe you play him out of the slot at times and you got some crossers with him and Amonra St. Brown or maybe even DJ Chark or something, I think your offense starts to maybe spice up a little bit. And Rambo is somebody that, not saying he's DJ Chark, but if DJ Chark doesn't pan out after this season, you kind of have maybe a nice little replacement late flyer on Charleston Rambo. It's a great name. And again, I, I think it's somebody that can play. There's some ability there. Um, with his size and speed and, and just overall production this past season with some poor quarterback play, might I add. So I, I think he's been through some rough situations. He comes to maybe Detroit that has a little bit better balance and substantially better quarterback play. Not saying Jared Goff's the man, but even if they took Malik at two and you bring in Rambo and some of the weapons that they already have, I, I think that sounds pretty promising. Um, and then just lastly, looking at the list here, um, I'm going to go with an interior defensive lineman because it is the Pac-12, and that's Thomas Booker from Stanford. A lot of buzz around him. Um, some people believe he could be, you know, as early as a as a third round pick because of some of the off the field stuff. That's a very positive thing. Really great, you know, community type kid. You know, class president. Uh, really smart in the classroom. But you watch him on the field. Some of his best football was a few years back, but. He's been relatively consistent. I think he's versatile enough to kind of play in a variety of spots, probably more so that four-eye, five-technique might move inside as a three-technique. And if you come to Detroit, which depending on what they do with the four-down linemen front, um, because really the four-down linemen front doesn't really matter. It's more so about what you do in the back because you could run a 4-1. You could run a 4-1-6. You could run a 4-2-5. There really is no traditional 4-3-3-4 three, three, stuff anymore. But Thomas Booker could come in and be a nice rotational piece. And, Really, if if uh, Levi O, I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I can't do it. But um, if they if they if if he doesn't pan out, you know, this might be their replacement for him because they they, they kind of took a stab at him and it just hasn't worked out. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't seen the field. Maybe Thomas Booker is that guy that they replace. And again, Pac-12 roots. Four out of the seven picks last year came from the Pac-12. Yeah, um, I agree with that. There's also, so we had a guy named Tony Paulino, I don't know if you heard of him, but he mentioned that mm -hmm. Eric Johnson, that the Lions have done a lot of work on him as well. What could he tell us about him? Yeah, it's funny. We I just talked about him um, on our Woodward show, and you know, this season he was listed at 6'5", 285, 290. He checked in at like 6'4", and three quarters or so, and like about 305, 308. 
really stout, kind of like your traditional three technique. Maybe you'd want him to add about five additional pounds, maybe even like two additional pounds of muscle. But he's somebody that's being viewed as that depth guy. He's from Illinois. I know he's met with the Chargers, the Steelers, the Bears. And I personally believe that the Bears really like him. That's kind of what I've been told. And I think that's why the Lions brought him in. More so not because they don't like him. I mean, maybe they do. But I think they brought him in to kind of see if he ends up in Chicago, what kind of player he is. And I think that's what some of these visits really represent is that, hey, these guys are like this. This kid's wired this way. This kid plays like this. We kind of have the inside scouting of the player before he ends up stepping on the field. And they kind of get to know him a little bit better if they feel like there's a tie to maybe a division rival such as the Bears. So what's your take that like you get a lot of like heat for? I don't know if I get a lot of heat. I'll be honest. It's been kind of a quiet draft season outside of, hmm, man, that's a tough one. I, I, I think maybe it's kind of the Jahan Dotson stuff. A lot of people like kind of will go, oh, you know, the best hands belong to David Bell or the best hands belong to George Pickens. And I'm just like, that's fine. I don't know what tape you're watching. That's like you do you, but you watch Jahan Dotson. He is consistently catching the ball away from his body. He's showing strong hands time and time again. And like, yeah, he's like 185, right? He's not, he's not 205. But at the same time, like those guys that are 185, 190, they win in the NFL. They can play inside. They can play outside. Does it consistently happen? No, but there are outliers. Those guys do happen. And I think there's a potential of Jahan Dotson being that outlier because if there was not a Drake London, a Chris Olave, a Garrett Wilson, or a Jameson Williams in this draft, I think we'd be talking about, and again, that's, I mean, that's four of the five, but if they weren't in this or two of those four weren't in this, we'd be, I think Jahan Dotson would be a wide receiver one for a lot of people and probably for a lot of teams. And I think he is for some teams. I really do. And I think a team like the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans, the Green Bay Packers, I think these teams are really going to value him. And I, again, I think, I think people really overview some of these players because of size or speed and this and that. And like, yeah, some, some things are discouraging, right? Like he didn't, he didn't run like David Bell, which was bad, but he ran, like he ran well. Sure. He doesn't have the ideal frame, but you could add to that frame. And if he got a touch slower, is it really going to alter his production? Probably not. So I, I think he's somebody that maybe just gets overlooked a lot. And like, I, I that was one that kind of came up today on the timeline. Other than that, like, I'm just trying to look at like the list of my players and just trying to figure out like, has, has anybody said anything out of the norm that kind of like catches me off guard? Um, I, I will say maybe me not having Brees Hall running back one, but I, I mean, it, it, like, here's the thing with the draft. It's, it's pick your flavor. Wide receiver, right. pick your flavor. Defensive end, pick your flavor. Quarterback, same thing. Running backs, really, that's it. Like, pick the thing that you like about players. What are some traits that you really like? Is it contact balance? Is it decisiveness? Is it is it long speed? But is if if long speed is like the deciding factor, you might want to pick a different thing to maybe watch because long speed doesn't always matter for running backs. Nick Chubb doesn't run the fastest on the field, but he's a damn good running back. You watch some of these guys, like they're really good and they're not the fastest. And like people are so hell bent on Brees Hall being the top back in this draft. And like, that's fine again, to each their own. 
they'll ridicule me for not having them there when I have Kenneth Walker there and then Isaiah Spiller and then Brees Hall. Like, I don't think that's that hot take-ish, and I don't think it's that far-fetched that Kenneth Walker is the best back in the, the, the draft. Like, he is, like, the way he moves laterally and the, the contact balance that he has. Oh, well, Russ, he only has 18 catches in his career uh, or this past season. Okay, so he didn't get the ball thrown a ton to him by a, a Michigan State offense that focused on Jalen Naylor and Jaden Reed and a tight end up the seam. And sometimes, you know, Connor Hayward, like what's right. what's the problem with that? He was eating it on first and second and third down. He was getting 25, 30 carries a game. First three plays of the season on the opening drive of every game to start the season for the first three weeks, 75 yard touchdown. I mean, that you like what? But because I don't have Brees Hall, who at times cuts back into the garbage and into the trash, I'm <laughs> I'm crazy for that. Like I just there's things like sometimes it just kind of drives me nuts. But again, there's people that I really respect in the community of of the draft that have Brees Hall as their top running back. That's fine. I respect their opinion and and how they evaluate it. But when I watched Brees, I saw a guy that at times had a nice spin move, but other times spin for no reason at all, and other times he had an opening to the sidewalk, and rather than going there. He cut back in and it just, to me, it was like, maybe I need to rewatch, but I didn't think he was a very decisive runner. I thought he moved well laterally. I thought the long speed was impressive, but give me Kenneth Walker way before Breesall. I'm with you there. I like Kenneth Walker a lot and I'm a Michigan fan, but I just, I mean, he destroyed us too. He, he's a good fan. <laughs> well, I'm a state guy, so I don't know if we want to have that conversation. <laughs> no. dun, dun, dun. No. All right. Um, that's it. Right. Yeah, do you, have, do you have everything else, or I think we're good here. Yeah. Well, Russell, hey man, um, it's been a pleasure of having you on the show, and thank you again. Um, one more time, you want to plug in your your socials so our listeners could like tune in, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, I appreciate you guys reaching out to us uh, on Woodward Sports, reaching out to me and, and interacting all the time. It's it's a lot of fun being able to talk draft. And if you want to do more of that, you can find me on Twitter at Russ NFL Draft. You can find uh, my draft guide. It's pinned up at the top of my profile. It's absolutely free to download. Um, there's no payment there. If you want to pay me, don't pay me. Don't ask me for my Venmo or PayPal. I'm not giving it to you. Just click one of the charities in the link. Um, you know, if you want to give it to veterans, you want to give it to, to kids with cancer, whatever you want to do, do that uh, rather than giving it to me because that's far more important to me than than money sitting in my PayPal and Venmo so I can drink a beer. I don't need that. Give it to people that need it. Um, and other than that, yeah, I mean, find me on Twitter at Russ NFL Draft. It's a good time. Smash the follow button. I appreciate it, guys. This was fun. That's awesome, man. That's awesome, man. With that being said, man, that is a wrap to episode 239 of the Pride Podcast. Um, listeners, you know, we want to thank you all for listening. And with that being said, I am out. Peace. All right. Again, Russ, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And I'm out, guys. Peace. Peace.